everyone. This is Crossing State Lines. Um, yeah, we're kind of just trying this out, me and my dad. Uh, we honestly are just kind of seeing how this goes. Um, I live in the Midwest and he lives in the South. And we just thought that every week we could do a case, a true crime case, talk about it. Um, obviously me from the Midwest, talk about a Midwest case and him talk about a Southern case. Um, yeah, so daddy got anything? Sure, well, just to introduce myself, I'm Amber's dad, obviously. We come from different generations, so we thought that would also be an interesting take on the uh, true crime podcast where you have a couple of different generations looking at things because obviously we have different viewpoints and different ways of thinking about things. We thought that would be fun and also to mix up the North and the South because as, uh, as most people know, lots of crazy stuff happens down here in Florida where I live now. Um, and we're, uh, Amber, when I, when we were, we were researching this uh, podcast, we realized there's a lot of freaks in the, in, in the Midwest as well. Yeah. So, you know, I think we got a lot, a lot more ground. Than, yeah, a lot more than you'd think. Minnesota nice is not, not so much, I guess. <laughs> so, Amber, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and, and a little bit about you as well? Yeah, so um, I actually just turned 24, so I'm in my early 20s currently. Um, I am a customer service rep at a place, not going to say where, <laughs> um, and yeah, I've, I've been, into, been into true crime for quite a while now, maybe last like five years, um, which I feel like is when a lot of people kind of got into it. I feel like in the last couple, yeah, five years, five, 10 years, true crime has kind of blown up in, in media. So um, yeah, I just thought it'd be interesting there's yeah like dad said there's freaks everywhere so it would be an interesting yeah kind of podcast to do so that's... great point amber no stalkers don't tell them where you work right oh <laughs> yes see we, we are we're into true crime we know we know the rules <laughs> and just before we get started i wanted to give a uh, shout out to my personal favorite is uh the true crime garage love those guys they have a lot of fun on that show but I, if I want to take a page out of their book, they're always very respectful about victims. And, you know, we're not making light of any of these different things. It's a discussion topic. Um, we, our intention is never to make light of any of these different situations. It's just to have an interesting dialogue between generations um, and, and, and break down kind of these different situations. So, yes. Um, and if we make any jokes, it's we're making fun of the perpetrators. We don't make fun of the victims. No. That's, yeah, just wanted to exactly. say we're always very respectful of, yeah, the victims, so. Well, what's what's the case for today, Amber, that we're going to be talking it, about? It is the Bloody Benders, and it's actually a very, very old case, um, and it actually, I thought it would be interesting to do a family of serial killers. Sure, um, the family. Yeah, you know, you know, makes sense. Um, so, yeah, the aforementioned bloody benders they were a family of four interesting because our family is also a family of four uh that emigrated from most likely germany they're not entirely sure most likely germany and they settled on a 160 acre section of land in la bay labette county kansas in 1870 mm. and after settling on the land the family soon built a one-room cabin a barn and a well on the property and there are also beautiful orchards on the property which 
would come in very handy for them later if you're catching a drift. So the family consisted of four members. The father was John Sr., the mother Elvira, I have heard, but I've also seen a couple different names. I'm going to go with Elvira because that That's was the creepy. coolest name. That was the cool, the cool name. <laughs> um, and also children Kate and John Jr. And I think the whole serial killer family raises an interesting question because we do know that the whole family participated in the murders it wasn't just the family um i wonder if the children helped commit these atrocities because they genuinely wanted to or because that they thought this was just a normal thing that people did at the time uh and yeah it was said that at the time the area they lived in was super secluded so maybe to the children they thought this was just what everybody did it was just normal um, and I mean, if they didn't know really anything else, I feel like it's better than knowing you're doing something horrible and actively continuing to do it anyway. It's still not great, but it's just, yeah. It, it, sometimes, um, you know, you just, whatever your parents tell you is right. It's kind of what your morals and your ethics are. So, yeah, I mean, not that we want to give anybody a break, but that's no. not a normal raising, you know, child raising type situation. Right. And right. Exactly. It's like, especially in kind of like these secluded areas and stuff, that's all you're going to know. You're not going to experience other people and go, oh, brutally murdering people. Not great. So I, I just thought that was interesting. There's no, there's no frame of reference for them to look at, hey, the Johnsons down the street aren't killing people. You know, that kind yeah. of thing where it's, it's, uh, if, if that's your only frame of reference is your parents that you're around, you, you have no way to compare that. To. Exactly. It's, you know, like the Geico commercials, what you do. So, you know, exactly. So yeah, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, John Bender Sr. was 60 years old when the family moved to Kansas in 1870. Elvira was around 55 and John Sr. was actually huge. He was over six feet tall, which for the time made him a giant. That's real yeah. yeah, big dude. And he also had really big eyebrows. They were really bushy, which led people to give him the name Old Beetle Brown or Beetle Browed John. <laughs> yeah. He also had another nickname. They would also call him a wild and woolly man, mainly because of his appearance. So, yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with the wild part of that statement, 100%. Sure. Uh, yeah, so Elvira was very intense, and she ran that household. She, like, very she, strict, huh? yeah, she was the head of the household. She made the rules. Uh, she intimidated most people that came into contact with her and was described as having sinister eyes. And people also called her a she-devil, which sounds oh. about right. She was said to have pres uh, professed to be a medium, who could commune with the dead, which actually isn't too surprising since spiritualism was actually very popular at the time. It was on the rise during this time period. And her daughter, Kate, also professed a psych to be a psychic who could speak to the dead as well as a healer, which- so you, got, you got crazy eyebrows and crazy eyes, basically married. Yeah. That sounds like a match made in heaven. That does not- yeah. And you know, <laughs> yeah, not not great to be ra raising kids like like, like that um and yeah it's, it's funny to me that she professed to be a healer when she was basically the opposite of oh. of a healer 
Ugh, but whatever. Uh, she would also hold seances and give lectures on spiritualism, free love, and why murder is sometimes okay, uh, amongst oh. other topics. And she found that to be very, very lucrative. That's she the 1870s. Said, that's peculiar. Yeah. You're hearing about free love and all that kind of thing. That's very, that's, that's unusual because that was a very straight-laced victim. Right, very, yeah. exactly. Yeah, they were very you had to do everything one way. So I think it was just, right, she was so outspoken and it was fascinating to these people who- Intriguing. Yeah, who weren't used to this kind of, yeah, yep. free love and spiritualism and all, all this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, she was said to have been called satanic by people in town due to the topic she discussed on her lecture circuit, which makes sense. Um, and she was said to have been very beautiful. So very popular lady as well. Um, and there isn't a whole lot of info on the son, John Jr. He was said to have been handsome and sociable, but he also would have random bursts of laughing, which led people to believe he was a quote unquote half wit uh, he went to Sunday school with his sister Kate, and they were that was kind of their socialization with people out outside of the family, okay. um, and where they made friends, and they were really open, um, welcomed with open arms in in the town, basically. So their main way of making money and finding their victims was the inn slash general store that they ran. On their property was the cabin. It was a one-room stone cabin where they set up the inn. The cabin was split in two so that the front part of the cabin was where the front lobby of the inn was or whatever they called that kind was, of thing. One big huge room sort of or yeah. one, one big big huge uh, open area or, or, or like with So it was a yeah basically it was just one room but they sectioned it off okay. with right. curtains essentially so oh. they kind of made it and nice. have separate rooms within the cabin. Yeah. Nice, nice if the roommate starts getting romantic. You know, that's going to be sweet. That's gonna, that's gonna be yeah, right. You just oh, slide the curtain over. I can hear you over here. No. <laughs> right. So, yeah, not not the best that's for an not, inn no. when you have multiple people staying in there, but whatever. So, so they, their main way of making money was they had an inn. Is that, is that correct? Yes, they were correct. hospitality. Correct? And it was <laughs> travelers coming through? Yeah. Or? Yes, they were travelers and um, yeah, it was just people, mostly it was people making their way over to California. So going out oh, west. Oh, sure, gold rush. Gold rush, exactly. And everybody was heading out to California. So they would stop at this inn and they also, yeah, they also ran a general store out of there. Yeah, well, out of- People sort of stop there, maybe buy some supplies or, or whatever they needed for their journey and then keep going. And then keep going. Or maybe not so much. Depending or on maybe, that. yeah. Or maybe they'll stay for a while. So. Right. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, mentioning the murder bit, um, let's get into it. Uh, how the family would murder their victims was always planned out, and it was very, very calculated. They always had at least two family members committing the murder together. It was never just one of them. So it was a family bonding exercise. Oh, so was this mostly just because they wanted to control the victim you think or, or were they were they is it honestly I, I think it was just it was easier it was awesome. easier to work together you know versus one person having to do all the work and you know that kind of thing so how they would do it is um they would have their victims sit down at a table that was set before a curtain so 
basically, yeah, there was the front part of the store where they would check you in where the general store was. And then they had a curtain where behind it was where people would stay, you know, if they didn't end up getting killed. Uh, Yeah. So there was a table set before the curtain out in the general store, the lobby area. Uh What they would do is they would have the victims sit down at a table set before the curtain. Kate would entertain them with either her flirtations, her social skills, or her, you know, psychic abilities. From behind the curtain, one of the other members would then hit the victim on the back of the head with a hammer, knocking them unconscious. And after that, Kate would then slit the throat of the victim and then open a trap door, dropping them down to the basement below. So they had a whole system. Yeah, Yeah, this is is the definition of first-degree murder, right? I mean, you look up first-degree murder, it is pre-calculation. Uh, you know, and, and uh, it, it sounds very, uh, very violent, but very quick almost. It's, it seems like they wanted them yeah. out. Of, they, they wanted to hit them on the head, obviously make them yeah. and then make it go away. I suppose in case somebody came, right, or, or you right. Know, the next guest came in or something or whatever. Right. They, yeah, exactly. It's like, you know, they had a real system going here. Yeah, exactly. Because, yeah, you don't really want to have future customers coming in and see what's going down so yeah they yeah they would you know drop them down to the basement and they did that so you know they would be hidden until nightfall which is when they would actually bury the bodies but not before stealing whatever was a value that the victims may have had on their person so yeah i think it was half you know stealing their money their whatever traveling out to the gold rush they may, may very well have their life savings with them because they're going to be buying supplies once they get out there, tools. Right. They're starting life. their new life out in right. the West, you know, That's the glamorous deep. West. <laughs> so, yeah, deep. it's they really thought ahead with everything. Um, and, yeah, where they buried the, vo- the bodies uh, was, like I mentioned before, the nearby orchards that oh. were also on the property. So, well, yeah, they, were- they had 160 acres, right? So yeah. that's a lot of land. Yeah, there's a, you know, nobody's going to notice a little dirt patch that's been moved around. And, and that's good. That's right. a, a lot of open area. Right. Exactly. And yeah, then my people, if they do see a lot of things like dirt kicked up or whatever, they could just be like, oh, they're just, you know, doing some landscaping, just right. working in the orchard. So, yeah, really had everything planned out. And what I thought was interesting was um, the, their whole setup kind of reminded me of the Firefly family from the Devil's Rejects movies because, you know, they had the daughter who would lure the people, their victims into, you know, into their house, essentially, and then murder them together, the whole serial killer family. So they're kind of like a modern day or not modern day, the opposite, an old fashioned version of that. It's it's really like a horror movie. A little bit um, H.H. Holmes too, in that- You know, you have a, I think he had a shoot that he would put people down and send them down into the basement. Um, you know, obviously that's, that's a, a very disturbing case as well, but these people have a, you know, really their, their main motivation is money. They greed, right? I mean, they're, they're not killing because, well, and maybe they get to enjoy it, but it seems like their, their end is to make money. And that's what H.H. H. Holmes, their main, that was right. their main motivator. Stuff, but yeah, that's, that's, that's really too bad because you know, you're killing somebody for a couple hundred dollars and now they're dead and they're not coming back. 
you know right. that's, that's very because you're that selfish it's like right. really yeah um so yeah it just yeah remind me like this is just such this is stuff that's in horror movies like so did, they, did they say how long it was before they um after they bought the property that they started this plan and does it seem like they maybe moved in there and just immediately started working on it because they, they would have you would have had to take some time to make a trap door and sort of come up with a plan. Right. Set up the whole did, did, Were they sort of, what, did people know that? It sounds like they were known in town for a little bit, or at least that they were known as being flirtatious and stuff. Did, is there any timeline there that you're aware of? Um, you know, I'm not. A lot of the research, yeah, it kind of just laid out here. Here's the personalities of, you know, the family, this is what they did, blah, blah, blah. Um, kind of later, I guess I have like a little bit of a timeline when, you know, when they were discovered and okay. how, how everybody, yeah. I suppose if you don't find them until they're, you know, already passed away, you don't know when they were killed. I suppose. And this is a long time ago. It's, it's interesting, Amber, that you were able to find all this data, you know, even though- I know. Yeah, I, I thought, right, because I'd heard of this case before, and I always thought it was very interesting, but I never really looked into it that much. But yeah, when I did for the podcast, I was like, you know, there, I, I don't know if I'm going to find this much info, but there was actually a lot. And I think it's just because people wrote down everything. They were like, this story's crazy. We got to write down everything. So yeah, there was actually a quite a bit of information on them, which was very cool. Um, Yeah. So, yeah, and how, it was interesting because how, you know, it, it's kind of like, how did no one know that these people were going missing? Because there was a ton of people that <laughs> that the family ended up killing, but it was actually pretty common for people to just leave and not come back yeah. because, like it's, I said, they're just, yeah, they're just leaving, going westward. That was very common. And, you know, people just assumed that they were okay or honestly sometimes people didn't have others who cared about them so it was just well all right smartphones back then right i mean people weren't expecting to hear from these people probably for months they'd left the the east coast they're trying to get out to california they weren't expecting to hear from these people for months right and they probably stopped 150 times along the way it'd be very difficult to track back to the last yeah. time and then all these people have to say is well they left you know they're not here anymore and, and what are you going to do so interesting you say that because that is something something that happens <laughs> yeah to one of the victims um but yeah it's just it's interesting because when some you know wealthier more connected people actually had people caring about them that's when the family kind of was screwed so one such example was when a man named George Lochner and his daughter didn't make it to their relatives' homes in Iowa when they were traveling from Kansas to go visit there. So yeah, it had been way too many months because obviously it's not just, oh, they're going west. It's fine if we don't hear from them. They were due in Iowa and then they just- they were expected. Yeah, no doubt. They were expected and they didn't arrive, right? So Yeah, yeah exactly. So it was like, oh, okay, some going on there um and i'm not gonna go into it because it's really upsetting but when the daughter was later found she was horribly injured and it was speculated that she may have even been buried alive so how old was the daughter did they say Hmm? how old was the daughter when she passed away pretty good (gasps) young i'm not sure how old she was but i know it was like a child kid yeah Yeah. exactly so yeah these people are they're terrible 
trash family. Um, and yeah, the, the, um, there was another one, right. Who he was a doctor, a doctor named William York. Um, his brother noticed that William York hadn't been around in a while and he traced his last known whereabouts to the Mender family inn. So it turns out that William York had actually been looking for clues on the disappearance of Lochner and his daughters. And unfortunately, he suffered the same fate that the Lochner. They killed the investigator? Yeah. Yeah. He came came sniffing around and just like the Lochners, yeah. Yeah. Literally, they it would be interesting to know if if they killed him knowing that he was onto them or whether he was just another mark for them. Well, hey, this guy looks like he's got some dough. Let's kill him too. You know, I, I, I suspect it was probably they, they knew that he was sort of onto them, maybe. Right. He maybe was like, hey, have you guys, you know, ran into the Lochners at all? Like, right, specifically brought up these people that they had murdered before and they were like, oh, crap we got to get rid of this guy. So I thought that was super interesting. Like that. Yeah. This guy was literally trying to find them and then they ended up killing him as well. Um, But yeah, unfortunately when uh, the burial ground was eventually discovered, his brother actually found William's remains among the victims because he was there helping them excavate and everything. So yeah, real messed up. So it was also interesting, too, how their crimes were actually found out because people originally believed that the benders themselves may have been the latest victims of whoever was killing or capturing or whatever was being done to the people of the area. Uh, Because when uh, things got particularly bad and they discovered over 75 people were most likely missing, the nearby towns held a meeting to see what could be done and they decided that the best course of action was to just search the land and, you know, see if they stumbled onto anything. So pretty much they just went out a bunch of different people of the various towns in the area to just look and see if they found anything that they might think is weird. And they did. Um, a man named Bill Toll, who lived by the Benders, actually noticed when they were all out searching that the Benders' property seemed to be abandoned because their animals had been left unfed and untended to, and there were no lights on in the cabin. So when they went inside the cabin, they discovered the trap door, which reeked of a disgusting odor, uh-huh. and led down to a deep hole that was full of blood from their victims. And since they saw that there was blood, but no bodies in the cabin or down in the hole, they continued to search outside and started to dig in the orchards. And this is where they discovered the remains of at least 10 people, including William York and the Lochners. So unfortunately, the, the benders were nowhere to be found. And because of that, York's brother offered a thousand dollar reward, which is about 20K in today's standards so good money yeah Yeah, good money uh for anyone who could find the family and bring them to justice sooner this governor thomas osborne doubled the reward to two thousand dollars which is equal to 40k nowadays so you know my salary in a year so good again good money not too shabby no not too bad (laughs) and um yeah they called the burial site Hell's Half Acre 
and reporter I've heard that term before yeah that i i guess i don't know if that's where it came from but that is definitely what they what they called this place so so at this point they, they can point definitively to 10 people that these folks yes there may, there may have been more but they were able to you know separate out 10 different sets of remains there could yeah there could have been more um i've heard 11 or 12 but 10 were identified sure. as different it's, people it's, it's interesting to me that these people thought they were going to get away with this indefinitely i think you know and, and um I, at some point somebody's going to come looking i, I don't I, so i guess maybe they just figured i'll make some money and then as soon as somebody's on to me i'll split that seems you know yeah exact which yeah i guess is essentially what they did it was oh crap everybody's finding out that there's a bunch of different people yeah. peace out so yeah I'm out. Um, yeah so it's very this is super super fascinating kind of got some plot twists coming up okay. um <laughs> uh, a lot of reporters came to hell's half acre and people started to do research on the so-called Bender family after the murder scene was discovered. It turns out that only Elvira and Kate were related. They were mother and daughter, but both John Sr. and John Jr. were not related to anyone else. They were just two random dudes, didn't know Kate or Elvira. Uh, John Sr. was actually a man named John Flickinger, who was of German, most likely German, or Dutch descent. We don't really know a whole lot about him, but we know a lot about Elvira, whose real name was Almira, Mike, Meek, something like that. Uh, she was born in the Adirondacks and was married off very young to a man named George Gr Griffith. She had 12 children with him and eventually ended up murdering him with, you guessed it? A hammer. A hammer, <laughs> exactly. So she's got 12 children. Is this Kate one of them? Is that, is she's that one, one of them. Okay. Yes. yes. Um, yeah, she, I'm not sure how old she was or which, you know, number child she was, but she was one of the 12 children. Um, yeah, and she actually had three, uh, excuse me, Elvira, Almira, her. Um, she actually had three other husbands who she also killed, and she even killed some of her children to keep them from testifying against her in the trials wow. of when she murdered her husband. Crazy. Just a, crazy. What a peach. She's yep. a sweetheart. Yeah. Lovely, lovely woman. I definitely agree with the townsfolk she is a devil she devil whatever they call her. she had the crazy eyes going i guess <laughs> yeah you know that was coming for real um so yeah uh john jr was actually a man named john gebhart i really should have looked up how to pronounce these names before but for the next episode we're trying we're learning this thing you know a for effort uh, yeah, it was believed that to disguise his actually very clever nature, he would laugh at odd times so people would only think he was a halfwit and that he wasn't up to anything. Mm -hmm. It was known by some that even though Gebhardt and Kate presented as brother and sister, they actually had a relationship with each oh, other. Okay. So they were actually okay. got them going on there. Well, so well, these were not young children, then these were these were adult children almost, or, or, yeah. or, or perceived to be 
maybe 20 year old or, or something like that versus like, parents were older or something? You know, that's a good question because right. They, they went to like Sunday school. I remember them saying yeah, maybe like teens, I could see them maybe being teens sure. more in there. There wasn't right much information, but you know, like young, young kids. Yeah. Maybe like teens. Um, and then Kate was born as Eliza Griffith to Almira, but when she was eventually married at some point, she took on the name Sarah Eliza Davis, and it was believed that she may have worked as a sex worker at the inn, adding extra charges to the bills of the travelers that they didn't decide to kill. So she was sneaky, you know, adding little charges to make even more money because, you know, killing people wasn't enough and taking their money. Um, in the media at the time, Kate was blamed actually most heavily for the crimes, even though they all participated in the crimes. And maybe that's because, you know, she kind of, she was the person who lured the people in and kind of, you know, sat them down, entertained them. But that's kind of interesting because I don't know. Yeah. They're all hitting them on the head with a hammer. I guess she did slit the throats, but it's like, they all, I, I feel like it probably had something to do with the fact that, you know, she was I, 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 I think you're you're drawing fine distinctions there between these people. They're all super evil, and yeah, one might be like a tiny, tiny bit more evil than the other one, but they're all pretty much in. They all suck, right? It's like blame everybody. It's not they're just all, they're all in the same general vicinity yeah. in, my, in my eyes. As long as you know this is going on or are complicit, yeah. right? It's not, not even. It's not even. Yeah, that they didn't. No say anything when you know they knew it was they literally all participated so that's why i don't understand why kate was the one who was blamed everybody was doing this so so, so how does it say how long this was going on i mean you said they moved in what 1870 they yeah they settled in 1870 and i couldn't really i just i said before there was a good amount of info there's not unfortunately like dates for a lot of this um so yeah i'm honestly not sure yeah how how long they were able to keep this up and keep everything hidden but quite a while to kill 10 people at least you know if this happened over like the course of six months six years you know whatever it seems to me though that if if this many people went you know, it drew this much attention, it was probably in, in a shorter period of time. You know what I mean? Because like, if somebody disappeared right. once every year, it would be a little harder to- Connect, oh, like- I don't know, that isn't suspicious, but if people, you know, are starting to be- Right, getting picked off one yeah. by one, all of a sudden, right? It's gonna seem a little more suspicious. For sure. Um, so yeah, um, all the buildings um, on the property were eventually torn down actually not eventually very soon after the crime scene was discovered and the land sat there for a long time before actually being settled on again in the 1960s so someone bought the lands you know built what was, more. What was the name of the town again Amber, that you told me they were in kansas what was it um name? it's la la bay l-a-b-b uh sorry hold on <laughs> l-a-b-e-t-t-e county kansas so i'm not sure Sure. Yeah, that's just the county or if that's the actual city. Um, but yeah. Um, hey, yeah. I'm looking at the map right now. This, yeah. this place is, where is it? It is, oh, it is in the sticks. It is, <laughs> no offense to anybody listening from Kansas. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, 
fans are like, hey, screw you guys. Yeah, it's it's in the southeastern corner of the state of Kansas, and that is flat country out there. It's it's uh, very very rural. Uh, it's maybe it looks like it's about twenty miles to the uh, Oklahoma border. So yeah, this would have been uh, this would have been an area where I would think you would be able to get away with a lot of stuff for a while before anybody would be. This isn't Kansas City, you know. This is up in the middle of nowhere. So. Okay. Right, especially back in the 1870s when, right. you know, things were kind of just getting going. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, um, it yeah, sat, sat there for at least 90 years until it was settled on again in the 1960s. And as of February 2020, is now up for purchase again. Oh, nice. Uh, so says the realtors, the land contains some mature trees and a beautiful view overlooking the Drum Creek and the far land bottoms below. So right. I'm gonna have to pass on that okay, personally. Uh, but yeah, I had a question too. If you could ever live in a house um, or on the property where murder took place or something horrible happened. Cause you know, so many people, they get these houses really for super cheap, but these horrible, horrible things happen to them. Boy, you know, um, I, that's a great question. I, I would, uh, I'd feel a little creepy about it, I guess. Um, you know, and, and the other thing is you better be intent on staying there a long time because the resale is going to be terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, you better, you may be getting a good deal, but you're probably stuck with it um, because nobody else is going to want to live there unless they're somewhat morbid. I mean, I, I, I can understand or if, right if they want to get a good deal too on the house or something Some like that. Are not superstitious. They don't care. They're like, Hey, that's a good deal. Um, kind of unsentimental about it. But I would, I guess I would always have something in the back of my mind, like, Hey, that, that there was a trap door right here that people went through. And I didn't, right. that kind of thing. I guess, how about you? I think I could, I don't, yeah, I don't think I could live in the actual house, but I think if it was just a property and right, like, like this situation, I guess it is. Yeah, the whole everything was torn down. You know, it was kind of it's kind of like you started from scratch essentially. So I think I could live on a property of something, but yeah, I don't think I could ever live in a house. You just always think, yeah, like you said, oh, there's the trap door. Right. Now I have you know my TV there. If somebody died of natural causes or something, I'd be fine. Yeah, really yeah. passed away in their bed. Right. It was like a brutal murder triple homicide like something crazy like that okay. like so a lot of old houses i'm sure people used to pass away in their homes you know what yeah. i mean so it would, that's kind of where they they passed away or whatever but yeah i don't know that would be uh that'd be a difficult thing for me to, to to swallow obviously if i needed to i would i would live wherever but given the choice i think i would pass yeah yeah i would too um but yeah unfortunately we don't know what became of the benders yeah uh, nope Yep. <laughs> Super frustrating. But yeah, we, we don't know. Um, there are theories. A couple different ones are that they may have been found by a vengeful mob and executed, or they may have escaped having to suffer any consequences for their actions. We just don't know. I prefer the former. I hope they were found by the wow. vengeful mob. I love karma. So you know you think about okay how much money were they able to take from these people they could be they could have gone to europe right they could have gone yep. to south america they could be they probably had enough money to get wherever they wanted to go and that's crazy because you think about okay these people were most likely not going to stop 
Right. If, yeah. if they were, they were, it would be interesting to see if after this time period, right, there was ever any similar crimes that happened you yeah. know, throughout the United States where, where even, you know, even some, some connections are there, you know, where you say, oh, wow. Right. Like, oh, this, you know, girl who was flirty or talking about spiritualism, she killed people with hammers or like, right, so, something like that where it's like, that is a very interesting case ever i knew nothing about the bloody benders and I, yeah. now i know a lot and uh too much very well told that was really good i think i think to me the the scary part is is that you know they they could have kept on going and, and, and yeah. kept this murderous rampage they had a system and it seemed yeah to be, uh, and it, it seemed yeah, like we said they they may have kept going we yeah. don't know that's crazy well, Amber, I guess it's my turn next week, right? It's my turn My turn to t tell the tale. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. From the South this time, which I'm guessing there's probably a couple different <laughs> crazy uh, ones that we can talk about. There is, and, and uh, some of my personal interests are, I really find the, uh, since I'm moving down here, um, I can even go a little bit older where we, uh, where we live used to be a, a haven for pirates. And you know those guys were nuts, right? So we may go even old school on some stuff like that back to, you know, back in the old I, days. I thought mine was old. Like if no, we're going back to pirate times. I'm just saying, out here's a little bit older than, than the Midwest, right? So people were settling down here. Uh, we got some old Eight ones. Before, yeah. We also have weird ones that are related to the drug industry because Florida was very, uh, during the, the crazy cocaine days, uh, yeah. In the 80s, we had a lot of that stuff going on. The mobsters have always been down here too. So we got a we got a fertile ground to work from. I need to I need to get going on that amber, and uh, hopefully it'll be half as good as the one you did today, which was tip top. Nice job. Cool. That was very good. Your questions and all that. I'll try to think of good topics of conversation to ask and all that. But yeah, I think that was. I think we're wrapping it up for this episode of next week on crossing state lines.